Welcome to the Passion Fruit Projects podcast, where we discuss tough questions about work, life, and the path less traveled. Featuring Celia, Lynette, and Nisha. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of the Passion Fruit Project podcast. In this podcast, we have myself, Celia. We also have Lynette. Hello, guys. And we have Nisha. Hello. <laughs> so, for this first episode, we are actually going to start off pretty simple. We're just going to introduce ourselves, like what we do, and most importantly, why we are doing this podcast. So, you know what, Lynette? <laughs> We're going to get you to start us off to do a basic introduction on who you are, what you do, and kind of like explain our goals of this podcast. Lynette, wow. take it away. Wow, <laughs> thanks, thanks, for, thanks for giving me this opportunity. So yes. appreciative. Okay, so uh, maybe just a quick introduction of myself. Uh, I'm Lynette, and um, I'm a currently a product manager at uh, a tech consultancy firm, Two Three Five Nine Media. Uh, but I'm also concurrently I'm also the chief of staff there. Um, my education background, uh, I guess it's quite different from I guess what usual product managers do. So I actually come from a legal background, a non-tech background, and somehow I stumbled my way into product management. And you know, well, I, I liked it and. <laughs> I guess I never left, so I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess while we're doing this podcast, I guess um, the three of us, Celia, myself, and, and Nisha, I guess we kind of talked uh, and we realized that it looked like, I think there are a lot of people out there who, you know, like like us, similarly like us, like we don't really, I guess we come from a bit unconventional paths, so because um, we want to share experiences and what we've been through and how to help the next generation of people or, you know, same generation, different generation, <laughs> regardless, just people, <laughs> help people to kind of get through this path because um, I guess this is something that's, uh, like you said, unconventional. So unconventional basically means that, you know, not many people have done it before. Uh, and if they've done it, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of information out there. So I think mainly it's just to help people guide them through that path. Mm. Awesome. So, Nisha, what about you? Um, right. So, I work at the same company as Lynette, but I'm based in Malaysia, and I'm a UX designer there. Um, so, my background is a bit different as well. Um, my ba- I have both a bachelor's and master's, but in two different disciplines. My bachelor's was economics and politics. And after a while, I went back to do my master's, but I chose to do it in human computer interaction design which is sort of a ux related masters and yeah so because i feel like i've had quite some ups and downs with them with my job search and finding the right fit for me i think this is a, a good outlet for us to share our experiences for people navigating the way as well right now and try and help them learn from it and you know find find out what they really want to do yeah all right yeah so actually that, that's actually very interesting because just like listening from what you guys in terms of the, your educational background i actually would say i'm not as unconventional so hi i'm Celia. <laughs> i'm a software engineer at the same company um but education wise i actually took up like a information engineering media so it is um a, a degree that fine it's not exactly computer science it's not exactly 
um, triple E. It's not exactly art. And it's not exactly com- communications. It's like a amalgamation of all of it, um, which makes it a little bit unique. But at the same time, you know, going down software engineering, I kind of knew that studying IEM would basically lead me down that career path. So, yeah, I guess... I. As you can tell, we all have very different backgrounds. We are doing very different things. So hopefully we're able to give you sufficient perspectives um, on all of the different things that we'll be talking about in the future episodes. Um, but yeah, let's, let's kind of like get into the first episode. Okay, okay. So let's see. Let's, let's, let's take ourselves back, right, to our final year. <laughs> <laughs> Our final years at uni. Um, I so we know that Nisha has a masters. Do, do you want to talk about your masters or do you want to talk about your undergrad or final year or both? No, please. Just both? pick one. Just pick one, please. <laughs> pick one. They're both very different. Right. Exactly. That's why. So okay. You know what? Yeah. Let's, let's just start with undergraduate. We'll, we'll probably talk about masters in another episode, shall we? Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And I'll let you know why you did masters, but let's let's move on first. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, so the question here, the first question, what would be your thought and your feelings of your final year in your undergraduate? Just oh. anyone. <laughs> I can hear Nisha just like sigh. <laughs> <laughs> it was so long ago. Um, I was well stressed, obviously, and then just kind of confused and lost um, because it was abroad and the degree that I did, economics and politics, it firstly, it was a BA, Bachelor of Arts. And, you know, in this side of the world, I don't know about you guys in Singapore, but in Malaysia, BAs aren't really taken as seriously. I wasn't sure how it would be accepted here because, yeah, it's economics and politics. It doesn't actually, it does actually involve a lot of analyzing just because it's not a science-based degree. Does it like the amount of research papers I had to go through and the amount of essays I had to analyze and write, it it's a lot of work and it is a lot of analysis. But I was afraid about, not I don't know if you could call it a stigma, but just how it's accepted here. Because if they just see BA, they're like, oh, it's just an arts degree. And mm-hmm. if I just wouldn't be taken as a serious candidate for jobs here based on this degree, even though I know that in the UK, it's different because you can get a degree in history and work at an analytical company because they understand the difference or they can, they understand that the skills are transferable. Whereas here it was just worrying for me. So I was, yeah, stressed, confused, and just worried about how it would be um, accepted here before coming back. Yeah. And also what to do, as in what kind of job to get into, because I was never really interested in business management, which is when you have an economics degree, that's kind of what most people, especially here, kind of go into. Um, But I preferred the policy side of things. That's why I also did politics along with it. And yeah, just not just really not sure how that degree would fit into the work, just the, the work scene here and the job the job search i just wasn't sure did you did you manage to get a job mm. what was your first job so 
as soon as I came back, I was quite lucky. I got an internship at a pretty big um, MNC here, but they only had op- the only option they had where I could intern was with um, project management and um, change management, which is sort of a business side. It's not consulting, change management, it's another thing, but that's the only kind of management um, area they had that you could um, intern with. So I actually did enjoy that internship because I did learn a lot, even though it wasn't really something I was interested in doing. But if anything, I guess that's what made me realize I really didn't want to work in management. Mm. Because um, I did find it interesting because I liked the project and I got to see it was a pretty cool part. It was like a supermarket project. So I got to see all these like distribution centers and all that and literally go out and like interview like these people and see their processes of how things are moved. Literally the moving process from how things go to the warehouse, how they go to supermarket and what um, how, how it's automated. So it was interesting, but it also made me realize I really do not want to work in management at all. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was my first internship. And then after that, again, I guess I was looking for jobs, but in the sense that I was still lost about what I could actually do here. I was just applying for like graduate. I know I said I didn't like management, but I was just applying for graduate management kind of positions anywhere mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Or executive positions and just wasn't really getting anything. But also I knew that I wasn't, I knew I wouldn't be happy at any of those places because it wasn't anything I was actually interested in. Yeah. Have you considered like working where you studied? Because you studied in London, right? Oh no, my um, so my bachelor's is at Leeds. Ooh, yeah. Have, have yeah. you considered just like working there? I did, but um, I'm not British, and as an international student, it's pretty hard. It's pretty competitive to mm. get to get a job because it needs to be a company that's willing to sponsor your visa. If so, if you do something. So I guess, again, it's with the degree I chose, because I know if I chose probably engineering or accounting, it would have probably probably been easier for me to get a graduate job and stay there because those jobs are in demand and there's not much supply for it there. So they'd be more open for international students. Whereas my degree, like I said, is quite broad. But if, if I didn't need a visa, I know I'd easily find a job because I can work at startups or smaller companies. But because of the whole visa thing honestly I didn't really try because I was already kind of discouraged but I do I don't know anyone that did my degree that was an international student that managed to stay on and get a job there right after graduation mm. okay yeah well, what about what about Lynette what, what are your thoughts on your final years at uni my final years it was to put it bluntly a roller coaster right of emotions <laughs> it was nasty like nasty shit um <laughs> okay uh, if I remember correctly because like Anisha said it's been so long <laughs> like way too long uh, actually it's been kind of like two years but okay fine um initially it was realization like oh shit I, I don't want to do law <laughs> I was like mm. okay like I don't want to do law I got it cool that's cool I don't want to do law I know what I want No, I know what I don't want to do and then next step comes, oh shit, what do, do I want to do? So I don't know what I want to do. I just know I don't want to do law. 
So I I think mm-hmm. it's quite common uh, out there as well. Like we we always know what we don't want to do. We don't want to we don't want to do what we don't want. But we never really know what we want. <laughs> mm, yeah. So I I, I think agree. I was in that same cycle. And then um of course in being people around me, especially in last year, they're all saying, "Oh look, I have I have I have a job offer. I have a con. I have a uh, in law we have what we call training contracts. So or or rather not training contracts, but um we call it RLT relevant legal training because I study abroad so. It's called RLT. So yeah, I have this, I have that, I have different job offers. People who are non-law, or rather law to convert to non-law pathway, they have a job, they have job secure, etc. So it's that mixture of, you know, where you you know that you don't want to do this, but you have no clue what you want to do. At the same time, people around you are saying, look, I already have this. I'm in, in this little path called life well not little but in this path called life you know you feel every single day with more people telling you stuff you feel that you're you're kind of behind everyone and I guess in a way I think most people feel that as well unless you're very secure of yourself most people feel like there's this need to catch up you don't because you don't need to be at first but you just need to not be last <laughs> mm. so, so that was the experience and you know, enough of that. Going through that, then you know, you have. I had a moment where I'm like, screw this. Like, I'm not gonna care. I'm just gonna graduate and just see how it is. Like, see, see, see what I, I guess. Just walk down this path and see what happens. So yeah. So in the end, I'm more of a. I I not recommend it, but I took the approach of self denial. <laughs> so I just let's forget about everything. Like I'm fine. Like you know, there's so many jobs out there. True and not true. <laughs> <laughs> don't go down that path but uh, yeah like, so I just let's go let's figure out let's graduate don't just go on my holiday you know like the um, graduate like, uh, holiday and stuff so I just travel around the world not around the world but it's just mainly US and Europe and then come back and see how it goes <laughs> dang US and Europe my goodness where, so, where do you go after graduation? Um, so I, I went with my friends to Portugal so we went there for like two weeks and then uh, right after that, I we all flew back to London. Um, but it, so the rest of them went back because they, they they went back home. And after they went rest for like a week or so, and then they traveled to I think they were going to Scandinavia. But for me, I stayed in I stayed at the uh, the airport. I there's this like um, port like a <laughs> port hotel in in London Gatwick, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just stayed there and. I just took I just I just rest for like eight hours there, and the next day I just took the flight to US. Wow. Yeah, so I, I I was there for like um, so I was there alone with my my girlfriend for there for like a week, and then my mm-hmm. UK friends, or which is my my some of my roommates and law school friends, they flew over to US to find me, and then we did a US tour, and then they went back, and I stayed in US a bit longer. So that that was basically my <laughs> my graduation plans. <laughs> That sounds so good, man. My graduation plans were ruined by COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... It is, it is. So, like, for me, my final years at uni, I mean, I basically graduated in the heart of COVID. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't even get a um ceremony, uh what's it? Convocation. We got an online convocation. Wow. <sighs> How long yeah, was it, it was? How four years? Wow. Okay. Mm. Yeah. All so like an online convocation, it, it felt like that. It, it, it was it was so, ugh, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. But like, yeah. So like everything else is pushed back. Um, I think we're going to have our official convocation in January. 
What is way too next later? year? Yeah. I mean, it's two months later, which is like okay, but I I don't know. I I, I don't think I'm going. <laughs> I, I get I get so much shit when I when I say I'm not going for convocation, but mm. you know what? Oh. I, did, I didn't go for mine as well. Oh, I went. I what, went. What was it September. for you? I went. Well, I, um, technically I finished in July, but I went for my graduation in December. Um, it was really cold. It's not great wearing a dress and heels in seven degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I was freezing, and then my mom's like, "You need to smile." And I'm like, what? Wait, why is it in December? <laughs> um, I couldn't make it for the July one. Oh, okay. So mm. I went in December. Didn't matter because that just meant I could go back. So, an excuse for a holiday. Yeah, took that oh, holiday. Man, that's nice. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. I what? didn't go for my master's one though because I was here. I there's no point. I feel like one's enough. Mm. You know why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to pay like 100 pounds. I was it, I think 50 or 100 pounds. I wasn't going to pay 100 pounds for that stupid gown. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, yeah. I was against, I was fundamentally morally against that, which is why I kind of boycott my own graduation ceremony. Oh, it's, it is so overpriced. I think um, we have this tr- new trainee um, in our company and she, she, she got her gown for I think about 30 to 50 sing dollars. Which isn't that bad, but like fifty pounds, a hundred pounds. No, it's like ninety. Or she re- did she rent it? She rented it. You see, fifty dollars to rent it. I mean, okay, fifty pounds or so. Like you know, it, it's don't convert it because pounds. yeah, local currency wise is okay. I think thirty fifty pounds, it's okay. But uh, yeah. I'm just against this. Like, uh, you 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 spend like uh, how long is the rental one day, right? Fifty pounds. Okay, fifty sing dollars yeah. to mm. rent for one day for a gown it's that you will not get. Like. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Oh it's, it's ridiculous. It and, and guess guess who guess who set this theme of like you know what to wear? I I kind of feel okay. I don't want to go down that path, but like conspiracy wise, <laughs> like like look like who set the dress code? And funny enough, the dress assuming on the dress code is like everyone has to wear like graduation gowns, and you can only go for a few suppliers to get these mm-hmm. gowns. So everyone every year goes to these suppliers. It's like steady income. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Except this year, because everything's online, so maybe they're right to overcharge because it's <laughs> getting them through this year. But if, if, if it's online, then it's actually should be cheaper, right? Because you don't have a physical store; you just have a a, a hardware store where you keep you keep all your um graduation yeah. gowns, and you can you don't have to buy them every year, right? So you can just buy like a fixed amount every year. You just reuse it. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> okay, but anyway, <laughs> so. Okay, my my final years at uni, like I said, it was pretty hit hit hard. Um, in my last semester, thanks to COVID, um, there was a lot of worries and uncertainties. Like mainly because it's like, can I even take my final paper to graduate? You know what I mean? And and I I'm basically graduating in a recession and in a pandemic. So at that time, I was like, can I even find a job when I graduate? Which sounds crazy now that I think about it um but yeah like I, I was just filled with a lot of um unnecessary stress and it turns out all, all they did for the final year exams was just converting it to a lot of projects a lot of projects and I wanted to cry when when was your graduation like when did you officially graduate um me like after I submitted my final year project report yeah 
Yeah, around me. I saw the works around me, which was very fortunate. Honestly, very fortunate. Do you guys feel mm. that, like, um, on hindsight, all the fears, all the worries we had in our final years, you look back, you're like, why the hell did I feel this way? Like, why the hell? Like, things are going to work out. But at that time, like, no matter how many online articles you read or websites you say that things, everything will be fine, guys. Like, you never believe things will be fine at the time. Yeah. And now, I look back, like, bloody hell, things were fine. <laughs> I don't know, man. Because I still remember exactly how it felt, and it was just so much stress. Mm-hmm. But it's I, I, feel, I like feel the same way if I did it again. <laughs> yeah, but stress of the unknown, exactly. right? It's yeah. stress the unknown, and also stress from work. So then- and I think it, because it's final year, so it's all mm. everything accumulated. It's like that final push. So it's like I'm gonna break, you know. Mm. So yeah. I agree. Like I think I think it's still valid to feel that way, like regardless of at what point you are. And like you look back, sure, it happens that way. But like reading articles, it's not exactly the same no. as actually going through it. Yeah, you know, like like different people have different perspectives and different like life points, careers, experiences, things like that. So a lot of things that there are a lot of variables that can change. Which makes it so much. It makes it more difficult for you to be like, oh yeah, I I can I I'll be okay. You know what I mean? Just from reading this article, I'll be okay. It, it's not. It's not the same. It definitely isn't the same as like just going through it yourself. But then, yeah. like on hindsight, then like so, what kind of information? What kind of uh, I guess advice would you, looking back, would you want to receive that you may you think that will be beneficial to you at that time? Because apparently, like all the articles, even though they say it's okay, do this, do that, but it still doesn't. Mm. It doesn't um, elevate or doesn't uh, remove that fear, the stress you have. So I guess like mm-hmm. then, what would, what kind of information or what kind of advice would help them? I think proper guidance from the uni, as um, from the, I don't know if your uni had it, like a guidance counselor or careers counselor, mm-hmm. but obviously because it was abroad. And, you know, with the whole visa thing, it would be better if we had proper guidance for our own country. Oh, that's true. Because, yeah, I, I, I mean, the lead careers counselor, she was really nice. She was very useful. But it wasn't very, from my own experience, it wasn't very, it wasn't particularly useful because everything she's saying is tailored for the UK career climate, you know, mm-hmm. and how to get a job there and what kind of jobs to look for. Malaysia is completely different. The culture is completely different. Mm. So, so it's like context-based advice, basically. Yeah, or if there is some kind of link that the unis can have with your home country that help you kickstart your job search. That would be nice. Yeah. Like a link with a local career center where you get in touch with them before you graduate. So at least you have some kind of idea from someone in the in the country of how things are going and what you would need. Yeah, that makes sense. I think for me, I, I, I don't know. Like for me, I, I would just say generic advice won't really work that well. It would be nice to know if there's someone that's in a similar position with a similar background but at the same time I'll, I'll just tell myself like you know just just continue just just do what you're doing and 
let 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 life take you along its journey. I don't know. <laughs> it's like you feel stressed, you feel very you know uh, worried and and everything, and that that's just life. You're you're going to experience it anyway. So I I would just say just keep going, and to have just a bit more like specific, not I guess specific or like contextual based advice would be really helpful. Yeah. What about you, Lynette? Mm, I think, like, yeah, I do agree that someone who has similar experience will help. But I, I'm, I'm not sure if there are people because even if we have someone similar, that but then there are certain things that difference. For example, like uh, experiences, you know, experiences, skills, etc. So even say, for example, like I I found someone who converted from law to like te- a tech role, for example. It doesn't. It helps a little because at the end of the day, it depends on your skill set as well. Why did you guys choose to study what you studied? Huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking. My, I'm asking myself that question still. <laughs> Was it your parents? Actually, no. I think um, for me, it's societal kind of a conformity, if you will. So I just really? I, I have to choose, choose like a I mean not have to but like I guess I was pressured socially pressured to choose um, a degree that is socially acceptable. So I, in my mind was always has always been like law, business, finance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Psychology is just like it's like kind of like um, yeah it, it's nice but probably won't won't feed me so. Mm. That was my my point of view at that time, but of course things are changing now. Uh, mm. For engineering, I was like, and hell no, like I can't I can't do engineering. <laughs> so I'm like, no. <laughs> Funny enough, I'm in the tech role, so I, I don't know what to say to that. So yeah, even exactly. when you were doing your like looking for unis, you only had law in mind. Uh yeah, I only had law in mind. That's so huh. Yeah, I had like five different degrees in mind. That's why I'm I'm really like. The problem with me is even throughout school, my subjects have always been pretty broad. There's never been anything I've like focused on. So I chose my degree because I actually don't regret doing my degree because I really did like doing economics and politics, even though it led to nothing, you know, career wise. Um, (laughs) But I did enjoy it because I really do like politics I've always been interested in politics and learning about politics and what I always wanted to do is like political marketing for candidates and running political campaigns like I always thought that was really interesting you mean like for Donald Trump you can help him win? well not for Donald no. Trump no. <laughs> unless I could do like s- sabotage then yeah then I mm. but I really like working on or being able to do campaigns not being a politician I don't want to be a politician I just like mm-hmm doing the stuff as in working on policies like the background work behind the, the back work, yeah like the the real work that like spin spin doctors mm. um that's why i really always liked so that's why i picked economics politics i thought i don't know i had this like dream that i would be able to do that it didn't end up happening because don't want to get into malaysian politics that much but I mean, you can just not that it's not the best place to want to be working on a some campaign here you probably lose your soul while you're, you're doing politics in malaysia yeah <laughs> so i'm glad i did it because i liked what i learned but mm-hmm. um yeah 
oh yeah I was gonna do chemistry at one point and then oh, I decided not. what yeah I was really close to applying for chemistry well okay for me um uh, I don't know I, I think like what Lynette said um it, it's a lot easier to say you don't like something than know what you like you know the method of elimination works wonders when you're choosing your degree um and yeah like I for, for me I kind of had had like a narrowed list of things that I don't mind learning right um but when I found out about IEM and I and I realized what it is that it it contained like you, you get to learn computing you get to learn analog electronics digital electronics like the triple e side of things and you can do art and you can do a bit of com communication mods like it just sounded like the best amalgamation of different like topics at once and it, it just sounded more interesting than for example just going into one degree and being like oh i'm, I'm just going to study this specific like different modules for the rest of my life uh, for the rest of the four years at the very least i don't know um i i feel like with this degree though it has the feeling of a jack of all trades master of none kind of a vibe to it which i don't know i i do kind of agree though but i do think it's something that uh, I, I, you, you have to slowly explore within this degree. I, I do think you can be like a T-shaped person with this degree because of how much you, you're exposed to and how much you learn. Um, but at the end of it, you are still the one that's deciding which depth you want to go down. Mm. Yeah, so for me, IEM was just interesting in that, in that sense. I think I think for now, like especially in kind of job markets um, these days, is that um, I think maybe pe back then in our parents' generation, you know, being a specialist mm -hmm. is a great thing. Like generalists are like, mm. Mm. but I think now it's yeah. the other way around. So generalists is actually in a way, I won't say better, but there are more job prospects as a generalist than before, simply because mm. everything is very integrated now. So. Um, for example, if you you know tech, that's great. You know you know engineering, computer engineering, that's great. But if you're a computer engineer who knows UI UX, that's even better because you get to work. Especially if you're a front end engineer, right? Then you get to work mm -hmm. with your engineer, oh, your designers better. Or if you're a tech mm -hmm. person with a business mind, that helps a lot as well. That goes a long way. Do you sometimes feel like they're asking for too much though? Depends. Asking a person to do too much. I think it depends on how complementary these skills are. So, like for example, engineering and um, well, engineering and law would work as well. That that's that one is fine as well. Um, engineering and economics maybe. I I don't know. Mm. I I I just I do feel that it's okay to ask for complementary skill sets, but um, of course there must be a limit to it. Mm. But then again, it's not. I think these days for job applications, it's not um, compulsory to have it, right? This, if you look, I, I don't know about like Malaysia, but in Singapore, what I've observed is that they normally start with like a business degree or, or whatever degree you have, multiple business engineering or whatever it is. And then it, it just mentions one specific um, specialization. I think where the complementary skills come in, it's when you are actually working. Yeah. So it's, not, it's not a prerequisite. I think with some degrees, it's easier. Like I think with regards to engineering and maybe law, 
it's easier for someone to specialize or at least focus in on what they want and also with job descriptions yep. whereas with I've been looking at a lot of UX UI and it's like they're asking for quite a lot because um, I think companies here themselves still don't even know the difference between UX and UI so they just put everything in one document right yeah so, that, that's crazy yeah, when I feel that Singapore, I mean, Asia, Southeast Asia, Asia, I guess, I, I don't know about Asia, but Southeast Asia as a whole, like, we're kind of still kind of slow in that. So in the UK, like, I do agree as well. So uh, in the UK, before I left, um, I actually applied for um, a graduate job, a graduate trainee job at EY. And the requirement is simply just simply having a, a degree. There's mm-hmm. no specific degree. So the training on the job and, you know, it's completely fine with it. I think having a degree is just basically um, showcasing that you know you have certain uh, intellectual aptitude for the job, and that's about it. But for Singapore, I I rarely I rarely see generic uh, degree as a prerequisite. So normally it's specific degrees like business, engineering, etc. Because I think hey. over overseas or at least in the UK, they can capture transferable skills yeah in a better way but they over here i think only the startups are open to that whereas for the bigger companies not so yeah yeah there's always this like expected path that graduates are expected to take you know like i think for myself it, it's almost like oh you have this degree so when you come out of your when you come out of university you must go down this career path you know and it's it's so much harder to convince a company to be like, hey, even though I'm an engineer, um, uh, I'm a whatever it is, engineer, I, I want to do UI UX. It's just so much more difficult to kind of like convince them that um, you have the aptitude or the experience or whatever it is for that job. Simply because they will look at your degree and they're like, wait, are you sure you, you, you are fit for this job? You know what I mean? Maybe because I, I guess I, I'm just kind of throwing out there maybe it's because that mm-hmm. uh, I guess companies are Asia companies are a bit more risk averse so mm-hmm. you know I, I, if, I have two options either I hire someone who you know is a computer engineer but wants to potentially go down to UX and I probably had to train this person and I'm not even sure whether this, this person will do well or excel well in UI UX or I'd, I'll just simply hire someone who has a track record of being great at UI UX Mm. You see, so for them, mm. I think for businesses, they'll be like, "Look, let's let's do the option two because it's easier. I don't have to take any risk. I don't have to train per se." The cultures are very different as well. Mm. It's it's like a lot of things that you have to take into consideration, which is why it's quite difficult, I guess, if you study overseas somewhere that's not your home country and you have to come back and adjust because you've gotten so used to one way. That's true. Hmm. Okay, but then okay, let's see. What what were your first jobs? Because mm. m- mine is two three five nine as a software engineer. <laughs> what about you guys? What what were your first jobs? Nisha, are we taking all internships out? Yeah, I think first yeah. actual job then. Yeah, then it would be this one. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I interned. I did intern in London. For when I was after my mass, my UX masters, I got an internship there for about eight nine months, which I still I do count as a job because I wasn't really treated as an intern. 
Mm. I was doing proper work, but I wasn't like an official contract. I didn't have like official contract, just an internship contract. So um, yeah, it would be 2359. Um, because before doing my master's, I was just doing internships while trying to figure out what I actually wanted to do. And yeah, it'd be this one as well. Um, I guess it just about you. Um, yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> first job was with a healthcare tech startup in Singapore. Um, it was a very strategic move I made on choosing a startup because uh, I think for those any of the audiences out here who uh, are facing the same issue where you you are doing like a I won't say a career change because a career technically didn't start, but <laughs> from a from an unrelated degree going to a, something altogether new, um, mm-hmm. I personally feel that startups are better because simply as what we mentioned earlier, they're more risk, they're less risk adverse, so they're more open to you know uh, hiring someone and training on the job. That's one, and I think as someone who you're not sure, really sure what you want to do, it's better to wear many hats. So choose a role that the people are the management or the leaderships is really comfortable in training people exposing you to different areas so like what we mentioned earlier right like what Sila said as well you don't know what you want uh, you don't know what mm-hmm. you want so that's that's whole the whole process is to figure out what you want so there's some people who you know like they know what they want even though they say the degree is uh, completely different but they know what they want in the end then great go for that for those but I think for most people we don't we don't know we know what we don't want, but we don't know what we want. So for that, you know, startup is best because you really get to wear many hats and get to explore different fields and kind of have a feel of what you want really want to do. So um, that's why I chose startups. And um, I think I don't I don't want to romance romanticize this entire thing. How like you know it's it's a grass or green like everything's awesome. It's easy to get a job. It's not easy to get a job um, in a mm-hmm. startup, even though there's so many of them in Singapore. Simply because. Um, it's all about no matter if you're applying for a startup or an MNC or an SME, um, it's all about selling yourself. And I think the difficult thing here is that you know if you are going for you have a degree that's not related to the job you're applying for, you don't really know what's your strength. Mm. And that was the difficulty I faced because I know if you make me apply for a law de- a, a legal job. I know what my strengths are, but with a law degree and a healthcare tech startup, healthcare tech, I, I, I don't know what's my strength here. You see, so um, I think a huge piece, a huge component here is to, you have to figure out on your own, or I guess through um, help and support, transfer, what Nisha said earlier, transferable skills. And this is something that I don't think um, is mentioned much anywhere because I had difficult time uh, researching on that but you need to figure out the transferable skills and to really believe in it and doing your interview st- process really sell that uh, that transferable skill and your benefits you can bring to the company yeah um, so I did that a lot of failures oh okay I guess people most people said actually like I didn't get rejected a lot compared to like the average but to me it was difficult okay so every day um, for the past I think for I tried for one month I job hunt for one month I think um, every day I would apply for about 10 to 50, about minimum 10, 10 jobs a day with spe- specific cover letters for each and every one of them. Oh, and damn. I changed my resume for each and every one of them. 
Yeah. Oh, that dedication though. Holy crap. Yeah, and every, every time I get rejected, so after I go for an interview, I'll come back, I'll just assume I didn't get it and I'll just keep applying and applying. I'll keep applying until I get I get something. I get a yes. Mm. So uh, that was about a month or so. I think less than, slightly less than a month. And then uh, I got, and I think end of the day, I got like two job job offers. So that was, that was good. And then yeah, mm-hmm. then I just like, let's go for the healthcare tech startup and I started my first journey there. Damn. Wow. Nisha, did, did it take you long to like find 2359? How do you find 2359? Uh, <laughs> damn. Um, so, I mean, before coming so after my master's or during when I was finishing my master's I was applying loads in the UK and is it like I said it's the job climate in both regions is very different because being a junior UX in the UK it's 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 actually pretty easy to get a job because I was getting responses they were calling me up um but then they'd have to reject me once I said I, I need a visa. Oh, damn. But that happened yeah. a lot. So that, it was, it's good in a way that, like, that means I know that I'm good enough because obviously they mm-hmm. wanted to hire me, but it sucked that every time the reason was we can't give you a visa. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I had to come back and finding a job here, as I don't know, for me, it was a UX, was junior UX is really difficult because my focus is mainly UX design interaction design and user research. I never really got into UI design. That's like a different discipline because I was never into graphic design. And on my master's, I I didn't focus on UI. And here, because it's still quite a new role, all the job, even for junior UX, they just put UX UI. And then basically in every description, it would be like listing things for what they want a UI designer to do. So it's really disheartening when I'm like, well, I know I'm not even going to get past this. What's the point? So I was just like, I was just looking at loads and just going, what's the point to so many of them? Mm-hmm. Is yeah, It's really discouraging. And also it would say mid-level UX designer. And then they'd say eight years of experience or five years experience. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. That You see that a lot, you know, senior UX required eight years experience, junior UX, minimum three years experience. How does that make sense? <laughs> How does a junior role with three years? Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't know how they're writing these job descriptions because they just don't really make sense. So I was, then I got, through my dad's friend, I was just doing an internship with his company. Wasn't great, honestly. That was a whole other thing. <laughs> like, not great at all don't want to get into it so I was just there I was there for only three months honestly but it felt like three Mm -hmm. it took a lot it was wow very dramatic Mm. but uh, yeah then I was just on Wob one of the job agencies one day and I saw well I applied for it as BotBot the chat Mm. and Mm -hmm. yeah got a response and did the interview which is very relaxed. I think it's, um, I've been quite lucky because the culture of this company is different. And the job interview didn't feel like I was being grilled or put on the spot. They actually, it felt like an interview where they actually did want to listen to me and what I had mm-hmm. to say about myself and my experiences. And then I, yeah, I got, I got, this was probably the most relaxed job application process I've ever been to. 
Yeah, that's nice. It was, yeah. So we should, yeah, we should definitely have a, a podcast all about the interviews, yeah. <laughs> all about different yeah, interviews. Because I, yeah. I'm not good. I guess Linda would. You're probably better at selling yourself. I'm terrible at it. It's not how I work. I tell you, the secret is to drink. <laughs> We've been over this already. <laughs> We've been over this already, but if you we'll, don't we'll go more in depth, you know, oh <laughs> how to drink, how much to drink, <laughs> how to ace your interviews, vodka. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm a terrible salesperson, not especially for myself. So, yeah, I was really glad that this interview, at least, I didn't feel, I didn't feel intimidated. So I was more relaxed to, and I actually got my points out properly. So. Mm. Yeah, that's this, actually nice. It was all it wasn't great until this one, and then I got the job. So yeah, I actually don't know how many jobs I've applied to in total. I I wouldn't even, have not been keeping track. Hmm. Okay. I feel like just me talking about my um, I guess my job hunt. It was a lot simpler <laughs> compared to what you guys went through um uh, yeah I, I remember it was around april may i i i, I asked my my eldest brother because he was so bored <laughs> and he was like you know what since you're job hunting send me a resume let me just like hit up every LinkedIn jobs available and just like send in your resume <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah and so like once in a while I would have like calls and I'll pick it up and I'll be like um hi I'm Celia then they'll be like oh yeah I'm from this company the HR hiring manager I'm like what I don't recall applying to you <laughs> at all <laughs> oh how many gosh. how many he, he applied for you I, I don't know. Okay, so like the thing was that he, he was just sitting down, right? And he had his LinkedIn open. I sent him his resume. And I think he he just sent for about, what, 30 minutes worth of just applying for every job that's available. Oh my god. But yeah, I, I don't know. He, he could have applied for easily 20 or 30 in that 30 minutes. No clue, but... But yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> Did you get any from this? Sorry? Did you get any commission? He's basically your head. Yeah, it's just free work. No, no, no. We, we, don't, we don't talk about commission to our brothers. I'm not going to pay him. <laughs> but okay, so like for me, 2359, I found it through uh, Tech in Asia. Yeah, yeah, they have a job listing on Tech in Asia and I just applied and yeah, it's it's kind of like the standard um tech interviews that you have so you have like the hr interview then you have the tech the technical test like the take-home test and then you have a technical interview and then you have the final interview so it's 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 a long process (laughs) i think this podcast has went over what we expected yeah (laughs) But, 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 but it was fun it was interesting to see how like we have our different journeys and you know while some may i i guess you might think it's easy but uh, I mean, not easy, but like less compl- complicated than ours. But I think even mm. as a software engineer in this situation, like it's it's also about selling yourself, right? Because no matter how, like, even with a software engineering degree, but if you don't know how to sell yourself, you know, no company's going to hire you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning in to the Passion Fruit Projects. Catch us in our next episode.
where we navigate through difficult journeys on the path less travelled. See you on the next one.